The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch. Derek walks you through how to win government jobs, effectively manage your government career, and best utilize government services. Every week on Fed Access, you'll learn about interesting federal agencies, workers, and careers. Fed Access provides you the access you need to succeed in the federal government. And now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Thank you for stopping by the show. We're always glad to have you. Today, we're going to be talking about innovation, but we're going to be talking about it from the standpoint of intelligence. And we're talking about it from one of the intelligence agencies that is part of the, the, the whole IC, maybe not always as well known as other people, but they have been coming up more and more. You're hearing their names more and more, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. And they're an agency that's out now in Springfield. They used to be up near our offices here uh, in, in D.C., right up the road in Maryland. But they're doing a lot of great things in terms of geospatial intelligence. And geospatial intelligence, you should just deal with the ground. But now they're looking at cyber. They're looking at a lot of different areas as it relates to the world and all of our issues that we're dealing with, whether it be Russia, North Korea, terrorism, or whatever the case is, cybercrime and everything else. We've got a good group in our studio today to talk about this. We've got a number of different people, and I'm going to almost let them introduce themselves because we've got this great group. I'm going to start off with Sue Calloway. She's the director of analysis, but Sue, introduce yourself and tell us your title at NGA. Yeah, thanks, Derek, and thanks for having us here. So I'm the director of analysis for NGA, and I've been in place for a little over a year now after spending 12 years in industry, but 17 and a half years with NGA prior to that. So I grew up in this industry, and what I've seen in the changes that have been made in the technology and the availability of data and the talent that we're attracting within the agency is just amazing, and I'm really excited to be back. That is so outstanding. I'm going to hit the next person on the, on the scale right here, Jeremy. Jeremy Boss. Yes, correct. And uh, that is you. actually his name. His name is Jeremy Boss. <laughs> that, is, that is indeed correct, uh, though it gets me uh, less benefits than you might imagine. <laughs> Uh, I'm Jeremy Boss. I'm a geo-analyst with National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. I've been with the agency for just coming up on seven years now. Uh, just about a year ago, uh, Sue got me involved in some of the innovation efforts that we've been doing within the directorate. Uh, I wrote a component of a, a transformation roadmap that Sue came up with and uh, was the primary driver behind on the culture of innovation. Uh, so that's kind of where I get involved in the innovation and uh, kind of in our way forward. Nice, nice. And Molly? Molly Hi. Math, and that is actually her name, M-A-T-H, and her name is Molly Math, and that's why I think, did you get hired because of the, the last name? I Molly? wish it was that skills, <laughs> but it's not, unfortunately. Tell us about yourself, Molly. Um, hi, I'm Molly Math, and I'm a geo-analyst with the NGA, and I've been with the agency for about 13 years now. Um, I came onto the team with the innovation stuff about um, seven months ago. And it's exciting to see where the agency is moving. Outstanding, outstanding. So let me come back to you. You know, you've been in this field for a long time. And so you've seen the changes. You've seen the, the dynamics, especially with the Internet, the explosion of data, the, the dynamics, the changing realm of kind of the, you know, the geospatial field where it used to be imagery analysis. And now it's grown into this whole area. Talk to us from your experience in terms of seeing for the many different years. What have you seen in terms of the growth of, you know, either NGA and also the changing dynamics of intelligence, the threats that we're dealing with? What are you seeing right now? Yeah, that's, that's quite a lot to talk about. So let's break it down first in terms of the changes that I've seen over the many years. And I'll go back to 1992 when 
first within our government, we started looking at what would world be like if we could combine our mapping organization, which at that time was the Defense Mapping Agency, with our imagery intelligence organization, which predominantly was focused within the Central Intelligence Agency in an office called the National Photographic Interpretation Center. And in the early 90s, it was just beginning to be the digital revolution where we could imagine the power of bringing the digital mapping information together with intelligence information that was derived off of remote sensing. And the power of that was phenomenal to think about, that in the battlefield, for instance, the warfighter could have a map with information that was continuously updated with where the enemy was and what the terrain looked like in front of them. And in essence, that was what seeded the what ended up becoming the National Imagery and Mapping Agency, now the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. I happened to have had the good fortune in 92 to be part of the dialogue at that mm-hmm. time. And I really fell in love with the idea of what could be done in the digital world. And then move forward or fast forward where the availability of commercial remote sensing data, so the availability of of eyes on the ground, if you will, has just exploded, along with the availability of other location-based data, whether you're getting it from social media or the news media or any other sorts of databases that exist out there, that the power, again, of bringing these data sets together with the mapping data is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And add to that the world of data analytics, big data, cognitive analytics, and what we're able to do to not only describe physical activity that is occurring now, but also then to be able to understand what could and anticipate what might happen in the future based on those trends and patterns. And that is so critical for us because North Korea, the Russians, the the those who were concerned about a, attacking our national security or having an effect on our national security are working inside, if you will, of our decision cycle. We have to get faster at it. And the only way to get faster is to be able to not only say what's going on now, but to anticipate what's going to happen right. later. Right. And that's really where the power of what NGA can bring into the insights that the intelligence community provides from the White House to the warfighter on the ground uh, in order to support our national security and defend our nation. You know, you took me back a little bit, and I was in the Marine Corps during that time period in the 90s and in the first Gulf War, and I remember during that time period of of being in shops where I was was in the combat side, and I remember looking at maps, and I remember, you know, seeing certain things and everything else, but you kind of reminded me of, of the critical nature of the updated battlefield, you know, and we didn't always have that information always steady. But what I'm hearing right now, the technology has probably changed. I mean, we're we're trying to get it to that point where you can see that grid right now and have that updated information, hopefully. And we're moving in that and we're moving in that direction. And NGA is leading that battle to move into that direction. Is that where we're headed? We are absolutely on the forefront of that direction of being able to provide that current situational awareness with as up-to-date information from whatever sources might be available. And I can't emphasize enough how the news that is continuously reporting and social media that is continuously reporting and the reporting on events and activities at a specific time in a specific location is just so much part of our, uh, of our world as the re- remote sensing data that we're getting from satellites and aircraft that's mm. being flown uh, as as well. So the, the 
power and what is possible is right at our fingertips for us to take advantage of, fueled again by one underpinning technology that really is there to assist and enable the talent base that we have, the, the brains, right? The knowledge right. between right. the ears of our analysts, such as Jeremy and Molly, to right. make sense of that data where the analytic tools and the automation and the tools allows them to see things in the data that otherwise they couldn't understand. Right. But it's the making sense of that data and saying, so why is this important and where is it taking us and what does this mean? And what does this mean in the context of whether it's a customer in our defense or it's a customer in the White House right. or it's a partner within the intelligence community sure. being able to convey the importance mm -hmm. of those insights to them in a number of forms and formats. You know, you touched on something. I'm going to get to you guys in a minute. I just wanted to stay on Sue for a second. You touched on something about talent you know, about kind of bringing in the right talent and everything else. And you've probably seen the need in terms of maybe this increasing change of what the needs are for talent and, and what you need in terms of qualifications or other things like that. Where are we now in terms of the talent that we need to bring into the IC? Everybody's saying, well, on cyber, we, we can't afford certain people or we need this kind of talent. And maybe the private sector is kind of taking people away and everything else. What do we need in the IC right now in order to handle these new threats? So first of all, we need people who are just passionate about the mission. And I think that's our competitive advantage in gaining the best talent that's available there. The fact that we're serving our nation and protecting our friends, our relatives, our family, uh, and our partners overseas. But in terms of the specifics around the skill sets that we're looking for, we're really about ex uh, creating multidisciplinary teams mm -hmm. and expanding the skill sets. So within my team in particular, I have a, a more than 50% of my team really has an international relations, political science, uh, history type sure. of background. Sure. And then about another 20 or so percent of my team has a GIS, a geography background. And what we're looking at is adding to that skill set knowledge about data analytics, computational thinking, some software coding mm. skills. But the expectation is that not everybody's gonna be a software coder. Right. Not everybody's gonna be a data scientist, but everybody should understand the fundamentals behind that. And what we're gonna add to that multidisciplinary team then are the data scientists, mm -hmm. those folks who first and foremost understand about understand the data. Also added to those teams are our remote sensing experts, our, our image scientists who really understand the unique phenomenologies right. and what those unique phenomenologies and the remote sensing data can provide and help us glean insights from. And then finally, it's our creative media designers, right? And our ability to have impact is fundamentally based on our ability to convey the important information in the form and format that the customers need mm -hmm. to be able to digest it and understand it. So that multidisciplinary team of what I'll call social scientists and GIS analysts and image scientists and data scientists and analytic methodologists and uh, multimedia, uh, digital media yeah. specialists right, right. is what we're creating in order to bring the power of what GeoInt has to provide the GeoInt decision advantage to our customers. 
we're talking about innovation. I mean, we're talking about it with the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. We're talking about where intelligence is right now. We're talking about where it's going and then talking about the innovation that's needed in order to make sure that we have the right people and the right agencies to deal with these ever-growing threats that are out there. We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to get into these other two people soon and talk about the innovations that they're doing at NGA, but we're having this great conversation. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. George from Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you're just joining us, we have been talking about the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and talking about it in the terms of innovation, talking about it in terms of understanding intelligence and what's going on and where do we need to go in the form of basically making sure our intelligence agencies are still relevant to deal with the threats that are upcoming. We are constantly thinking about this ever-evolving threat. We've seen a number of different things with Russia, with China, with cyber, and everything else that's going on, terrorism and this constant evolution of, of the threats that are going on. The threats that are started out in 1992 that Sue was talking about are different than today. And so how do we deal with that right now? And we're talking about this innovation. We've got three of the stars of NGA in the, in the studio right now. We've got Sue Calloway. We've got Jeremy Boss. We've got Molly Math. They sound like a, a superhero team, don't they? sound like a, a, a team, which they are, because they are serving our country right now. We talked to Sue earlier, and she was talking about, she's the director of analysis, the director of analysis and she was talking about the changes that she's seen since 1992 with her being in the industry. Jeremy, I want to get to you, you know, because you're working and then Molly also kind of chime in with this as well. Both of you are working on this innovation project and everything else. This project called right here, the Analysis Innovation Experience. How did this evolve? I know, you know, both of you have been at the agency for, for a few years now, several years. And then how did you kind of get from the point of being a geoin analyst to now saying, I want to deal with innovation? What inspired that? And then to also talk about the pro- talk about this experience in this program. Okay, that's a really big question uh, <laughs> with a really long answer. So hopefully, no, uh, keep on hopefully I can I can give you what you're looking for here. So one thing uh, Sue talks about about uh, uh, national security issues, and you talk about the evolution of national security, national security issues. I think one thing that's really critical for any intelligence agency, NGA in particular, in order to stay on top of those uh, evolving challenges, is to make sure that the innovations and the developments that are coming are coming from the practitioners, people actually kind of in the trenches on the front lines of working the analytical problems. So. Rather than saying we want to have a big top-down approach to the way we're going to do development, we have to say we want a bottom-up approach to the way we do development. That means that the ideas come from the workforce, and that's where your best ideas and your closest ideas to the problems are going to come. So as far as how we got involved in all this, uh, we were practitioners. We are practitioners. I've been working the same issue uh, myself my entire time virtually in the agency. Molly's been in the issue as well. And then our our colleagues who are not with us today, David Orocho and and Nate Kerr, have also been working it. we're able to see, as a result of our position, uh, the problems and the necessity. So our project in specific focuses on bringing multiple streams of information together and automating the analysis that happens on those multiple streams so that we get a good output of data at the back end. Able to see the problems associated with that and the way that we were getting data gaps and errors in analysis that resulted from kind of doing things manually or doing things piecemeal. So the way we got involved in the whole analysis innovation experience um, Really, quite simply, uh, we got fed up. Okay. To be honest with you, <laughs> right. 
we worked the issue. Don't get for, in trouble now. Don't, no, I'm just <laughs> we worked the issue for a long time, and we mm-hmm. had a graveyard of uh, ideas that were tried and abandoned for one reason or another. A graveyard of ideas that are under roadblocks that couldn't be overcome. Mm. Uh, it was in that moment that uh, Sue came and did a death side with me okay. and wanted to know kind of what I was working on, what my ideas were, uh, and where I thought we needed to go. So I took the risk, uh, and I was brutally honest. Mm. Uh, and as a result of that experience, Sue challenged me to stick around and try to make things better and set things up the way they needed to be. So trying to kind of embody this idea of the workforce gives us the best ideas, we came up with a program called the Analysis Innovation Experience, which essentially is a startup competition. Uh, it gives analysts from around the agency the opportunity to, with a really low barrier, get an idea into a process, form up a team, and say, we've got something we want to work on. And the directorate makes a commitment to them that they're going to get time. They're going to get access to resources to try to develop that idea. Those ideas come into a point where they're judged against other ideas or rated against other ideas. And our very best ideas are the ones that we push forward, just like we would in the commercial world. A startup goes before venture capitalists and they get some funding, they get some resources to Mm -hmm. go ahead and try what they're doing. The analysis innovation experience is all about giving teams the opportunity to execute their ideas putting faith in our line analysts that those are the people that know how to do the mission best and the things that they come up with can be scaled and built and lead our way forward. You know, Molly, where where'd you come in with this? Were you also one of these people who got fed up as well? Actually, I did. I'd left the branch that Jeremy was in and was experimenting with different where would I go with my path for the rest for the next chapter of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy brought me back onto the team with um, having my experience in the branch. And um, although it was for a different project, we got involved with an innovation experience. Um, And the innovation experience really builds upon the lean startup principles that we're teaching to our analysts to use those methods of human-centered design, um, using user demand, user experience to really um, focus their projects. And that way you have a customer. You're not pushing tools on anybody. You're not pushing processes on anybody. So you're starting with a user that needs something, and you start with that. You know, they mentioned something that's really, really, to me, there's, there's two things that really kind of hit me on this. And I've been around kind of dealing with the government for a long time right now. And I've seen and, and, and so I'm kind of direct this towards you and then I'll swing back out to Jeremy and Molly. The, the thing that he mentioned about being a risk taker, a lot of people within the government are afraid to be risk takers. A lot of time when they've thrown out, and I've seen it personally, I've seen it happen many times with different agencies and everything else, where they throw out different ideas and it just goes into the black hole, you know, or no one takes anybody serious. Or, you know, even in, in my time in the military, whatever the case is, we kind of talked about what could be changed and maybe throw out a couple of ideas and, and maybe leadership didn't listen to you. And, and so uh, is NGA embracing something different? Because I'm hearing something to kind of say where Jeremy said, you know what, I was brutally honest. And sometimes that brutally honest situation will sometimes get you in trouble. And that's why I was joking with you. But sometimes when a person says that, that's a, a career changer and not a positive one. So are we in a mindset at NGA? Are you in a mindset that we need to do something different from your experience? We absolutely are in that mindset of having to do something different. And I appreciate, Derek, the opportunity to sort of share our story of how this all came about, because I think it's a great story to share and lesson learned for colleagues of mine at my level throughout the federal government. And I, as I mentioned in my introduction, I came back to NGA a little over a year ago after 12 years in industry. And one of the big takeaways that I had in industry is that if you're going to make change, if you're going to go up market, for instance, you've got to innovate. And in order to innovate, you've got to in, 
you've got to empower your team to take risk. So I came into NGA with that attitude already, knowing that we have a big change to make. It's a cultural change. It's a shift in the technologies that we're using. It's a complete shift in the way we think about what our business of GeoInt is, becoming data-centric. So I knew that creating a culture of innovation and empowering my team to be risk-takers was going to be critical. In the first uh, several months of my arrival back at NGA, I was every week doing analyst desk sides. And I would sit down with analysts, no branch chiefs, no division chiefs, no supervisors there. I just wanted to talk to the analysts and see what they were doing. And I realized that there were a lot of what I called bright lights, a lot of mm. innovation already going on throughout pockets. I will say, though, that the first analyst desk side that I had, where the analyst was brave enough to not only share, me, share with me what they were doing and the innovation that they were creating, but to end that conversation with, and here are the challenges and why this won't work unless we change. Mm. And that was Jeremy. And so Jeremy, again, had the courage to do that. And I took him seriously. And I said, Jeremy, I, I have to go now, but I want you to come back <laughs> to my office, right? Mm -hmm. I want to sit down and talk about each of those. And wow. that's when Jeremy said, well, I'm getting ready to leave to go on another assignment outside of NGA. And I said, oh, don't sign that paperwork. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not until we talk. <laughs> right. And when Jeremy came in to talk to me, I said, I want you to write our culture of innovation in our transformation roadmap. And mm. he didn't believe me. And I probably repeated it several times, and he still didn't believe me. But I explained to him that what he and his team were doing, because I knew it wasn't Jeremy alone, but right. what he and his team were doing, one, represented the direction of where we wanted to go. And not only was it about using the data, but was thinking through how would our customers want to understand? How do we right. need to convey these insights to our customers? What mean and mechanism? So he had the idea of where we were going. He was had the courage to say we have problems and we have to change. Mm -hmm. And he also had the inkling of an idea of how to make that change. So that's why I wanted Jeremy. And he said, well, let me think about it. And it happened to have been the last night of the World Series. And Jeremy is a huge Cubs fan. <laughs> that's right. So he went home that night and uh, with a bunch of friends, I think, uh, watched the Cubs game. And I think it was uh, in, it was meant to be that the Cubs won that night. And I sent him an email. Jeremy, Cubs win. Are you with me? <laughs> yes. Stu very, uh, very cleverly took advantage of a, a state in which I believed anything was possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and when you got that email, I mean, what was your hesitation, Jeremy? I mean, I'm just, you know, curious in terms of, you know, you were given an offer by the director, you know, and, and everything, director of your section. And but you were hesitant. What, what was the hesitation? Uh, it's a big job. Uh, we've made a lot of progress uh, with the analysis innovation experience, but we still have a big job ahead of us. I mm. mean, essentially, Chu's charge to, to us was to change the culture uh, within mm. the analysis directorate, to become a risk-taking culture, to become a culture of innovation. And we want our analysts to first be thinking, you know, what's the status quo and is the status quo acceptable? And if the status quo is not acceptable, what do I have to do to change it, regardless of what the barriers that are facing me are? And as you know, in the federal workforce, there's a lot of people who value stability. There's a lot of people who don't look for change. Uh, so changing that culture and getting to a point where our analysts are first looking, where are the changes that need to be made and how do I make those? And how do I refuse to accept the barriers that, that show up in front of me? That's a that's a big job. Right. Uh, and to be honest with you, at the time, I I wasn't sure I could. I wasn't sure I was up to it. Hmm. Uh, sometimes I'm still not sure I'm up to it, hmm. but I'm out there every day and I'm, I'm doing everything I can. 
If I, I could just add to the yeah. story a little bit. You asked if NGA was really making this big culture shift, and I want to build on the story and say uh, our director of capabilities, Dr. Anthony Vinci, also coming from industry, mm -hmm. specifically came into NGA to disrupt mm, okay. the business, okay. bringing in new yeah. ways of thinking and new ways of doing business. And one of the things he attracted were a number of other folks who also felt that way. And so Jeremy reached out to that team of folks, and it was working with them that we then brought the lean startup approach okay. to our innovation experience as the way to help our analysts understand, how do I ideate? Right. How do I really think through what is it that I need to create and build a proposal that not only says what I hope can be done, but also tries to walk you through, here's how it can done, and most importantly, here's the impact that it can have and the difference it can make for our customers or for our team. And so following the lean startup approach has really been also a big change for us, uh, going from playing in a sandbox right. and just doing interesting things to really having a very thoughtful process that has been proven in industry to be successful. And again, I, I really look to Jeremy and, and his team and members of my team also that have been supporting, other parts of my team that have been supporting our whole innovation experience to embrace this new way of, of doing business. Wow. I wish we could just not have to pause for a break because this is so, you know, it's actually inspiring me to see that an agency is taking uh, uh, some innovation approaches and not just not just kind of talking about it because some people just talk about stuff and they don't really do it. But they're actually backing up people who say, you know what, I care about my country. I care about what's going on with these threats. I want to see something change because these threats are not going away. Uh, you know, the people on the other side, you know, our enemies, our foes, our adversaries, they're always thinking of new ways in order to challenge us. And so we've got to have new thinkers and, and, and that new talent. But we've got to not be afraid to somebody come in and question. And that's what I'm hearing right now, that this is really, really a positive thing that's going on. we got to take a quick break. We're talking about NGA. We're talking about the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, talking about NGA in terms of innovation, what they're doing. They've got this whole new experience, this whole new innovation group right now that's working on trying to take new ideas and bring them to market, I would say. Bring them to market in NGA and put them where they can be implemented very quickly in order to deal with these uh, 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 dy dynamic threats that we're dealing with out there in the world. World. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back and to continue this conversation. Listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you're just joining us, we have been talking about innovation, talking about innovation in terms of the intelligence community, and more specifically talking about innovation as it relates to the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. They've taken the lead in terms of saying we've got to make a change. They've taken the lead in terms of saying that we're seeing some things that are being done in the private sector in terms of moving ideas at this rapid you know, uh, speed and saying, listen, let's take ideas and move them to market. Let's innovate them and then put them down so that we can deal with these ever evolving threats. The enemy doesn't wait to kind of say, you know what, uh, you know, well, they're not up to speed yet, so we'll hold tight a little bit. 
The enemy is always constantly moving. They're constantly evolving. And we've seen that over the years. We've seen this ever-growing threat by a number of different, uh, uh, you know, whether it be uh, major state actors or rogue actors or whoever the case is. And so we're talking about how we deal with that. We've got Sue Calloway. She's the director of analysis at NGA. She's in here. Jeremy Boss, he's a GeoWin analyst there, and he's helping run the analysis innovation experience. And then Molly Math, she's in here as well, and she's also a part of the uh, analysis innovation experience as well. You know, Jeremy, talk to us about this experience in terms of, you know, we've already talked about the innovation. You've got the green light and the go ahead. Give me where this has gone since then. You know, how long have you been working on this and where has this gone in terms of numbers and maybe projects? Has has any innovation come from this that you guys have implemented? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to talk really briefly to, to hit back on something that, that Sue had mentioned. I know Molly mentioned earlier, too, uh, this concept of lean lean startup principles. Uh, it really is at the core of everything we're doing in the analysis innovation experience. So the output of all of this, the output of this entire program is to generate internal startups. These are teams that are operating, they're multidisciplinary, they're operating within the government, and they're operating on short timelines and delivering iterative results. And based on the content of those iterative results, they uh, get more time, they get more resources to build out. That gives us two things, really, as a government. Number one, it gives us the best possible programs, tools, methods uh, coming out of these teams. So. We select, uh, just like, in, just like in, in capitalism, the free market, we select the best ideas and we push those ideas forward. More importantly, uh, uh, from an analyst perspective, it gives our analysts a sense that they really do have a control over where we're going. They have, a con they have control over what we're doing as a directorate. This really is a grassroots initiative. It puts people in a position to take charge of the way that we're running the agency, to take charge of the way that we're doing our innovation, take charge of the way that we're going to do our analysis moving forward. So... The way that we generate those teams is through the analysis innovation experience. As I mentioned earlier, this is a program. We call it an experience. It's a multi-month program. So the barrier to entry is really low. It starts out with a concept, which is just an idea. Go ahead, get a team together. We have an idea. We have a problem we want to fix. We have an idea about how to fix it. We got 58 of those concepts submitted mm. across, the, across the directorate. Uh, the numbers are actually quite stunning. 12% uh, of our teams were let mixed. Me, let me interject. How big is the directorate? How, what's, what's the numbers, the size yeah. of the directorate? So I've got 3,700 uh, folks okay. Uh, okay. across the world. Okay, good, yeah. good, good. So you've got 58 proposals coming in. Okay, good. Yeah, so 58 teams got together and said, I have a problem and I have a way to solve it. 12% of those teams were mixed. So these are teams from NCE with some component of an outside element. More importantly, 43% uh, of those teams were from outside of our Springfield location. So this is our NCW location, our Colorado location. And when you say location. NCW, just so people hear. They, sure, you know, sir. It, what does that mean? NCW, NCE? It's our campus in St. Louis. Gotcha. So NGA uh, has two primary campuses here in Springfield, Virginia, and also in St. Louis, Missouri. It's east and west. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we have our NGA support teams around the world, uh, military commands uh, at all the other agencies, virtually anywhere that you could think of, there's an NGA body there. And a lot of these ideas, 43% of them, 43% of these concepts were from non-DC-based uh, teams. So all these teams put these concepts in. They were given access to resources. They were given access to lean startup coaching and training. They were given time. Uh, everybody got a, a note from Sue to show to their management to say, I have four hours set aside to work on this whenever mm -hmm. I display this. So everybody's given time. Everybody's given resources to build their idea into something that's workable. Those ideas, 58 of them, uh, developed into 42 proposals. So these are essentially business plans. If I were to run this startup, this is how it would look. This is what my deliverables right. would be, my, 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 what my 
deliverables would be right. over one month, over five months, over 10 months. This is the way that we're going to roll this product out. Well, we have, was this a compl- I mean, this is a complete culture shift. And, and I've been in business for quite some time. So I know about business planning and everything else. And for government, a lot of times, unless you're working on the contractor side, you know about RFPs and business plans and everything else. But a lot of government people don't ever deal with this. Was this a, a, a complete wake up call for some people in terms of how to write a business plan and how to do this kind of stuff? So it's definitely been a, a complete wake up call. Uh, Having spent 12 years in industry, when I first came to NGA, I felt like the only thing I understood was how industry works. So I know that I've uh, personally brought a lot of that lingo and approach with me. I think what's been really gratifying is that the folks, the teams that have gone through the lean startup and looked and learned how to write these business plans, Mm. and they truly are business plans, are recognize the value not only in that way of thinking about how to write an innovation project, but actually how to do their day-to-day work as well. It's given them a whole new perspective on how to think about their customers mm. and the work that they're doing. So we're seeing added benefits beyond just the innovation experience for bringing these concepts into the workplace. Before you continue, and you guys all chime in, is this going to be, I know the agency did something like Qintel and other projects that were more kind of innovative and then went to market, right? And they, you know, Palantir and other things of that sort. Are are we headed in the same direction with NGA in terms of almost developing a a, a business where businesses may come out of this uh, with the innovations? Or will it still remain internal or will it go out to the full IC? What's the vision? So our, our goal as part of the intelligence community, the defense and intelligence community, is really to serve our nation and to serve the public. So our we have no purpose in mind necessarily mm-hmm. to create a business that's going to be spun off, for instance, sure. into the commercial sector. But we have every intent to leverage industry, our industry partners, in, create, in making the best uh, government agency that we can to do things that secure our nation. So this is really about bringing best practices from the private sector as well as from the public sector to bear in making the shift and being able to take advantage and use all the data that's available to derive the insights and protect our nation and uh, those who we partner with around the world. Without question. You know, Jeremy, you, you, you talked about this 58. And, and what round are we on? The first round? Are we second? This is We just finished up the first iteration of the sure, experience in sure, July. Sure. So our first handful of teams are going through the, the process. Talk to about what, what some of the ideas that you got. I mean, I, if you can, talk to about some of the innovations that people were saying, hey, we need to see these changes and we want to do that. Or Molly, speak on, on some of these things that were being brought to the team? Well, some of our projects range from um, getting data across different domains, which we haven't tackled before. Um, Other projects um, brought in traditional traditional roles of of photogrammetrists and bringing that um, discipline into um, identifying locations. So it's bringing the traditional roles that we have in NGA and applying them in um, new and innovative ways. I don't, is there anything else that yeah, I would say it, it's really about how we take advantage of the data and the digital infrastructure. When mm. Molly talks about domains, uh, our customers as well as our partners work in at different classification levels. Sometimes we work at the unclassified level, right. sometimes at the secret level, sometimes at the top right. secret level. And you're and one of the, the, the 
I say wouldn't say the few age, but you serve everybody. I mean, you serve everybody from a FEMA to uh, mm-hmm. people. I mean, you're serving like a, a wide variety of customers with your with your product, right? A- absolutely right, and that's both what's incredibly exciting and fulfilling about our mission, as well as incredibly frustrating and challenging <laughs> about our mission, is that we have to serve such a wide variety right. of customers and missions uh, at different locations around the world in this digital uh, environment. And that can be very challenging when you're building off of an infrastructure that uh, is not was not originally put in place mm. for the world that we live in right. today. So the innovations that we're seeing are really about how do we get to the core of what we need to do, right. given what technology can potentially make possible for us to do inside of an architecture and infrastructure that wasn't originally built with this intent. Mm, mm. You know, with this, as and Jeremy, you were kind of talking about the, the dynamics and, and how many, what's with the lean startup, you know, how many weeks are involved? I know people are getting four hours to do certain things and they're getting time allocated. You know, what, what have you seen with the experience, you know, in terms of one, how much time did, have people gotten excited about it? Have you seen this growth in this terms of this energetic dynamic that people are saying, wow, I'm being listened to? What happens when something gets submitted? Yeah, they have uh, definitely been a lot of excitement. So as I was mentioning earlier, 255 of our team members from 26 locations participated in those 58 proposals. Now, importantly, as a note to, uh, to, to point out the excitement and the enthusiasm people have, we had 226 of those team members out of 255 that went forward with formal proposals. Hmm. So we had 42 formal proposals. That was 226 people. That's an incredible retention rate to have gone through this training. Uh, this wasn't a simple process, and you're doing this while you're doing your day-to-day mission. So this involved uh, really just two days of classroom instruction with our Lean Startup coaches, but then going out and talking to your customers, saying, what is it that's hard about your job? What is it that hard's about, that's hard about what your day? Everybody came into it with an idea about what they wanted to do, all of those ideas changed a little bit as they did true customer-centric design in what they were doing, came back and put those lessons learned into their proposals. So after those proposals were submitted, they went through two different rounds of judging. We had mm-hmm. a panel of experts that we put together, included Sue. It also included a number of people from around the directorate and from outside the directorate mm-hmm. as well. Uh, somebody from the innovations office that you mentioned earlier as well sat on the panel. They rated all of those proposals. Uh, our top 12 proposals coming out of that process were rated by the workforce. Was this like a Shark Tank suit? This is almost like a, where people come in. Like, I'm, so, a, I'm a Shark Tank fan. And yeah, so, I watch. <laughs> so one of the things we wanted to do was to make sure that this was an environment that encouraged everybody to participate and mm-hmm. that everybody who participated, who gave, got something back. Mm. So sometimes the Shark Tank can be discouraging mm-hmm. because you give, mm-hmm. but you right. don't get. Sure. So sure. we actually created an environment that allowed folks to get feedback mm-hmm. in order to make their proposals gotcha. better. Gotcha. And that has also helped in the retention rate. So although folks, there are folks who were not part of the top five that Jeremy will uh, can talk about in a minute, selected to move on, but are now anxious for when are we going to do this again? Because yeah, I want to participate. Mm. I now can refine mm. my uh, idea and get to the next level. So it was really important that we created an environment that encouraged participation, that gave and got, uh, rather than just competed and lost. 
Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about this in a minute. John. I gotta take a quick break. I hate to because we got so much positive stuff going on. I hate to take a break, but we gotta take a quick break. I wanna talk about more about this process and what happened when people you know came in front and got judged and then what went from there. We're talking about innovation. We're talking about innovation with the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. They've got this great experience where they're bringing people in and encouraging them to think of new ideas and then bring them forward where the leadership is now taking them serious and looking at it in order to implement it within the agency and within the IC in order really to protect our nation, in order to really better serve our country and, and, and the war fighters and our policymakers and everyone else. We're talking about all these great things and we're going to continue to talk about it in the next uh, segment. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. George from Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you're just joining us, we have been talking about innovation. We're talking about NGA and innovation, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and what they're doing in terms of an innovative product that they're building right now, a project called the Analyst Innovation Experience, in which they're taking and, and getting ideas from across the whole agency around the world and then bringing them and then saying, hey, what can we do to maybe do new things in NGA that's going to really affect the work that we do and make it better. And they were talking about that today. We've got in the studio, Sue Calloway. She's the director of analysis, and she's the one who's charged these two individuals in front of me, Jeremy Boss and Molly Math, to really get this project going and get it up and running and bring innovation to NGA. Jeremy, you were talking about, you know, what was going on. I was asking you the process. You were mentioning about all these teams, and then they went in front of a panel. Finish it from there. Yeah, so for, we like to think of it more as a dolphin tank than a shark tank. <laughs> okay, uh, not yeah, quite right, so confrontational right. as it's in shark tank. But those 12 teams went through a judging process. We narrowed it down to our top five. Initially, there had been a lot of discussion about only putting one of those teams uh, through a resourcing round. But thanks to Sue and thanks to uh, help that we got from Dr. Vinci's office uh, in the analysis, uh, or not the analysis, in the innovation office, rather, we were able to put all five of those teams through a first round. So that's happening right now. All five teams have gone through one month of uh, uh, extended idea development, and the best of those ideas are going to go forward into a round B, which is going to be a four-month initiative where they're actually starting to build a minimum viable product and starting to put a product in the field that their customers can use. So that's kind of how our process has gone. Uh, we went from many teams down to our best ideas, and then our top five teams ended up getting resourced. Uh, importantly, though, there's a lot that we're trying to do with those 42 teams, with those 58 teams that came together, and I think Molly can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is not just the end for these teams. They are constantly working to refine their concepts, their ideas, and this experience exposed them to their t our teammates across the agency. We're not limited to the five analysts that we know from our branch that sit in the same row. Now we have access to resources in different direct directorates, um, teammates in different offices, um, in different locations. So now they, they have a forum to be able to connect with each other and to be able to build upon the ideas that they had started with. You know, that's really, really positive what you're saying, Molly, in terms of, you know, basically saying, you know what, you know, because a lot of times in agencies, people kind of get stuck around the people who they know, and then they, the, the group think starts to set in. But now you're grabbing innovation and people are talking to people across the agency. Is that what you're encouraging there? Absolutely. We, um, we are thinking about, we are working on a platform where, Analysts can virtually put up ideas and people can chime in with solutions or um, come in as customers and validate some of these um, ideas. So it's something that we want to encourage our analysts to do. 
you know, as, as, as in, in terms of where we're going with this, right? You know, this is a great project and everything else, and I'm and I'm glad to see. When an idea goes, does it get funding? Does it does it now say, you know what, your idea has passed the dolphin tank? And I love that idea. I'm going to have to use that, Jeremy. But it's passed the dolphin tank, and now it's going to the next phase. What happens? Is, is now funding put into that? And now does the team now become a working team in which it's starting to build out certain things? Any of you speak on that, please? So it, it does depend in, in large measure on what the team needs. Some teams just need time. They just need some time set aside from their mission to say, i yeah. got to work on this. I've got to try this. Other teams need access to a methodologist or a data scientist, and we're going to put those people with the teams. Okay. Some teams legitimately need to go out and do a commercial acquisition. Some teams legitimately, legitimately have need of funding. And that funding is actually starting to become available through the innovation office, and they put aside a uh, venture capital fund hmm. uh, that teams will be able to access if they've gone through this process and if they've vetted out their ideas. So it really does vary team to team. Every team's resource ask is a little bit different. You know, the, this, the beauty of this, Sue, is that, it, it, to me, this is really professional development at, at, at a hyper rate, right? I mean, you're helping grow people, and even if they stay within the IC or whether they step out into other areas, these people are going to, you know, help, really honestly help our country grow. You know, learning how to do this, learning how to do a lean startup, learning how to do, you know, secure VC funds, learning how to do all this stuff in support of our what I would call national security entrepreneurship. Right. I mean, this to me just seems really a positive thing. Is that what your vision was? Derek, you're spot on. Our most valuable asset is our people and whatever we can do and however we can inspire and empower our people to Mm. think outside the box and bring all of the talent, all of the experience not only that they have as individuals, but together as a diverse team to bear against our adversary in order to protect our nation, that's when we win. You know, is this something that you think that, you know, is going to be embraced by just the whole IC? I mean, what have you found? I mean, you've seen this and you've seen things start up and, and start, you know, and, and I'm assuming you have the head leadership uh, a blessing on this. But do you think that this will continue to grow outside the IC as, as, as people maybe see the success of this? Uh, I will. One thing I will tell you is not all these ideas are just unique to us. I certainly have big barred and stolen some ideas from the <laughs> National Security Agency, who has been doing some innovation along these lines for sure. quite some time now as well. So this isn't something that... I think uh, NGA is unique in doing alone. And even within NGA, we have other offices who are doing innovation, uh, entrepreneurship sorts of projects. I think what has been unique for us is applying it in our analytic ranks, bringing lean startup to, to bear. So bringing these industry approaches to bear in the way that we're doing our innovation. I think that's the added value that we're bringing to our agency and also sharing with other agencies as I talk with our counterparts on the successes that we're having. As we close, if you had to, so somebody who said, listen, I want to be part of the IC in the future. I mean, you've seen, all of you get seen it, but you know, you speaking as a person who's a hiring manager, what would you say to, to the upcoming talent? What should they be doing right now? What should they be focusing in on? What do you need for the future? All right. So for the future, what I need are folks that want to be part of one team, Team GeoIn, a team that applies spatially temporally referenced uh, information from whatever sources it is to protect our nation, to secure uh, our, our country. So we're looking for people who just have that passion and that desire to want to do that. We need folks who have experiences and skills in a multitude of areas. 
We certainly are uh, hiring in particular folks with STEM skills, the mm. science, the technology, the engineering, sure. the math skills, as we need to bring to add that into our workforce. But that's not the only skill and experience alone that makes NGA run. And if I could just close by saying our, our director likes to say we are team GeoInt and we are one team. And I want to emphasize that for this innovation experience to be successful, it also took members of my technology and tradecraft team to uh, facilitate and bring together all the logistics and the support that was ne that was needed in order to make the entire experience successful and enable all the folks that uh, Jeremy pointed to participate and have the opportunity to experience what it's like to think innovatively, to take risk, uh, and to be considered for funding of their and support of their ideas going forward. You know, I just want to thank all of you for your work, and I want to thank you for your service to the country, and, and thank you for all the things you're doing. I'm so happy to see innovation. I'm so happy to see a leader who's encouraging people to take risks and encouraging people to speak and speak truth to power. And that's one of the most important things that we can ever do in order to help change things and everything else. So I, I just want to say thank you to Sue and Jeremy and Molly. Thank you for what you're doing. We're, we're not going to stop this conversation. I want to have you back. And so we can keep this conversation going because there's so much we could have talked about, but we, we're constrained by time. And so thank you for everybody for being here. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Thank you. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show or any of our weekly programs anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch, only on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.